today on Ag News Daily. There's a witness of the most working capital that we've seen in a long time. So working capital is liquidity or the amount of cash on hand. And that cash is either still in grain waiting to be converted or sitting in a checking account. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and happy... We're not going to say Market Monday today because we're doing a special edition episode brought to you by Grasshopper Mowers. Nothing gets in the way of hashtag Moday. And it's a special episode today because we are officially announcing a new co-host. You may have guessed hearing his voice a few times here and there on the podcast, but I'd like to officially welcome Tanner Winterhoff, the Iowa Banker Man, as the new co-host of the Ag News Daily Podcast. All right, let's get this party started. This is a good way to kick it off right away, bright and early on a Monday. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the other thing, Tanner, that we should call into uh, our listeners' attention is we're going to be switching things up and doing things a little bit differently moving forward. We've got a new co-host in the driver's seat with me. We're switching things up at the network and we're going to start recording the podcast earlier in the day. Yes, if we can't get the latest news to you a lot quicker... And uh, you'll have to let us know what you think. If it's something that's working out well, please let us know. Otherwise, if you want us to go back to the old way, uh, we're only going to do it if you tell us. Right, Delaney? That's right, Tanner. That's how we uh, get good feedback from our listeners is if they reach out to us. So, folks, give us your thoughts. Also, I hope nobody out there dislikes Tanner as a co-host. But I suppose if you <laughs> think he's doing a bad job, you can shoot me a private message. That's only fair. And I would encourage them to share their opinion. Is it uh, all of the opinions matter? That's right. Absolutely. Well, Tanner, we're going to put you in the hot seat this afternoon for today's interview as opposed to talking markets. We'll be chatting markets though later this week with the quarterly grain stocks report and the acreage report coming out later this week with Ted Seifried. So folks, we are still chatting markets later this week. But in the meantime, Tanner, before we put you in the hot seat, let's talk some ag news for today. What do you got for us this morning? Well, it's funny that you bring that report up, but it is going to be interesting to see what those look like. We've got a little bit of leaks towards the prospective plantings report coming out. Uh, Tyne Morgan shared with us over the weekend that you know, even with the Federal Reserve announcing that they continue to plan to hike interest rates and that ongoing dilemma for a kind word of what's happening between Russia and Ukraine, is that going to change the way farmers are thinking about seeding crops in America this spring. So uh, as we all know, the report is comes the are the result of a survey that has been in the works for over 45 days. So there's a lot of planting intentions that even though this report comes out, uh, Tyne is warning us that farmers still might change their mind. But if you look here in the Central America, the Midwest, the Corn Belt, We have to remember that we put a record amount of anhydrous on last fall. So we can pretty much count those acres into corn, Delaney. But uh, some of these fringe acres may be more coming back into play. It'll be interesting to see what that report looks like. Yeah, absolutely. And those fringe acres, you know, the Dakotas, those have been the two that I talked to some folks not all that long ago. And they said, yeah, they really do have the capability to switch acres. Because even if they were planning on planting corn, they didn't necessarily do some of that fall application just for lack of time in the year. So we certainly could see a large shift. The other one, you know, you got to look at is wheat uh, with the Russia-Ukraine situation continuing to play out. A lot of folks may be switching some traditionally corn or soybean acres over to wheat acres as well. So certainly could be a big market mover on Thursday, Tanner. 
Yeah, and Sonny Perdue is quoted in this article saying, ultimately, farmers will have the final say. So it is. It's in our listeners' hands. Uh, obviously, take that report with a grain of salt as we report it to you later this week. Um, but do what's best for your farm. It's what you got to put in as a focus. Absolutely. But Tanner, I'm going to take us down to South America because over the weekend, Brazil's meatpacker BRF South America, which is the largest producer of animal protein and largest exporter of poultry in Brazil, was officially authorized by Vietnam to export pork from a Mato Grosso plant, which will double shipments to Vietnam from Brazil. And they said this is just one of many strategic moves that they are making as they try to continue to grow their geographic market. And they said in 2021, Vietnam was the fifth main destination for Brazilian pork and imported more than 45,000 metric tons of pork, which accounts for about 4% of total Brazilian exports. So they're only continuing to watch that market grow. And, you know, we recently in the U.S. here have also seen increased access to Vietnam. So certainly might be a little bit of cause for competition there, Tanner. It is. And it's interesting, the timing that that article comes out because over the weekend, uh, Iowa in Franklin County had another bird flu outbreak. So Franklin County uh, found bird flu in a herd or in a flock. Gee, many Christmas. Yeah, a herd would be scary. A herd of chickens, uh, <laughs> but a flock of chickens of over 250,000 birds. So that is now the seventh different outbreak in five counties in Iowa, while 26 other states have reported this bird flu. So um, we may be down on birds and that could be a big opportunity for uh, that news release. Can you imagine a whole herd of chickens coming at you? <laughs> I certainly would be running away from them. Yes, yeah, so would I. So would I, Tanner. Uh, but here's an interesting piece of news that I'm sure we'll get your take on um, because I think you know this company somewhat well, or at least you know people that have worked there, had interactions there. But Farmer's Edge has always been kind of a beast that has surprised me. Hasn't made a lot of sense. I've never quite fully grasped their business model, but we saw as of late Friday afternoon, Tanner, the Farmer's Edge co-founder and CEO, Wade Barnes, is stepping down as the CEO and said he's still going to be on the board. But this was also coinciding with the release of the company's fourth quarter financials. And so I think this is maybe Part of the reason he stepped down, I'm just reading between the lines here a little bit, but essentially this company that started, I believe it was early 2000s, hasn't really made any money from what this article was suggesting. And they have had, they took a public about a year ago with an initial offering worth about $125 million in February of 2021. But share values have since dropped from $18 to just under $3 as of recently. And the company reported on Friday a net loss of $19.7 million in the fourth quarter of 2021 and a net loss of $66.5 million for fiscal year 2021. Now, I think part of the reason that they've seen some of these issues was because of their really aggressive goals to increase acreage because at their IPO, they stated they would grow acres 35 to 45% annually, which should put them about 40 million acres. As of their last roll call, they were only at about 19 million acres. So I'm thinking that's part of the downfall here, but I've still never really truly understood their business model. How about you, Tanner? Yeah, it's been 
almost seems like it was ever changing. They offered a lot of different services, at least the conversations that I've had with them. Uh, I'm actually a little bit surprised it took Wade this long to resign his position because uh, they truly haven't. They haven't made money for quite a while. It'd be interesting to get a look at those financials a little bit closer. I did miss that article, uh, but I'm not surprised by the news, unfortunately. No, neither neither was I, I suppose. Saw it on Twitter, so yes. you can always get good good news there. Well, we can go from somebody who doesn't make money to somebody who does. So uh, over the weekend, it was announced that the Gates Foundation and Qatar plan to spend over $200 million on climate adaptive agriculture. So, of course, that's the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. But they are partnering up to spend over $200 million introducing climate adaptive farming methods to South African and other developing countries in rural neighborhoods. They're trying to help those communities grapple with the reality of climate change now and in a way to help protect them from future damages of climate change. So they aim to start off by producing dual-use chickens. We've got a lot of poultry in the news today, Delaney, but they want to raise these chickens for both food and egg production so low-income farmers, especially women in parts of Africa, can successfully run a business. But the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation are going to partnership 50-50 with the Qatar's State Fund for Development. So out of that $200 million, they're committing $100 million to help agriculture uh, in developing rural communities. You always wonder when you see headlines like that, though, Tanner, what kind of agricultural practices are they putting in place there? Oh, correct. And is it more trying to provide genetic increases or availability to seed stock or breed stock? Because... Um, I agree. Some of the areas that they were discussing in this article are not super rich in soil, which clearly lends to why they were starting with chickens. And and yeah, you have to think you can't just take practices we do here in the United States and plop them into countries like that with less developed fertile, you know, less developed soil and less developed agricultural systems. So Certainly interesting, uh, that headline news, but this one goes right hand in hand with that. There's a Nigerian billionaire who's going to be supplying fertilizer to the world when Russia can't. And this Nigerian businessman, Aliko Nangoti, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but he opened a $2.5 billion fertilizer plant outside of Lagos, the country's largest city, as of last week, which is about a 1,200-acre facility that can produce more than 3 million metric tons of fertilizer per year, making it the largest fertilizer plant in Africa and the second largest in the world, which I thought was phenomenal. Um, He also said he plans to open an oil refinery that can produce 650,000 barrels per day. And it's interesting, you know, as you look at the African culture, uh, you want to talk about the top 1%. I think Africa is probably specific countries within that have, you know, a top 1% or a top half percent, even more so compared to like countries like the United States. Yeah. I, I was struggling to listen to the entire article because the way you started off just reminded me of those fraud schemes, you know, a a Nigerian (laughs) prince is, has found your inheritance and will pass it along to you. So, uh, but no, that is, that's impactful. You'll be, it'll be curious to see how quickly something like that could come online and affect or control or even contribute to what we're seeing in in market security in the future. Yeah. And that's the thing, as you look at 
the fertilizer market, there are many countries, not just the United States, not just Brazil and Argentina. There are many countries that use fertilizer to help with growing their various crops, including those in Africa. So certainly going to see a lot of shift in supply and demand here over the next couple of months as we uh, continue to watch the Russia-Ukraine situation. But Tanner, I tell you what, I'm pretty much out of news for today. And since we're recording in the morning, just a quick look at the overnight markets today, we are trading pretty much lower across the board. So it'll be interesting to see how things open up this morning. Absolutely. No, you've got me freshly tapped out too. So I guess now it's time for you to fire questions at me. Fantastic. Well, folks, before we get to putting Tanner on the hot seat, let's hear a quick word from today's sponsor, Grasshopper Mowers. It doesn't matter whether you're on the backfield or the front yard. On Mow Day, perfection is a game of inches. It's a battle of fence line and fierce terrain. Out there on that grasshopper mower, you don't let anything stop your stripes. Nothing stands in the way of a job well done. For more on Mo Day and Grasshopper Mowers, visit grasshoppermower.com. All right, Tanner, it's that time. We're going to put you in the hot seat because I think a lot of our listeners probably know you as the Iowa Banker Man. They probably have heard you on the Farm for Profit podcast. They may have heard you a few times here on the Agnews Daily podcast, but who is the man, the myth, the legend, Tanner Winterhoff? Tanner, Let's start out here with an easy one. Tell us about your background. Yes, I I don't know about the legend status uh, in the introduction. I appreciate that. But uh, I grew up as a farm kid. So I grew up on a fair to finish hog farm with row crop acres in Northwest Iowa. Uh, ultimately chose the route of finance. So got my business and finance degree here in Iowa as well. Uh, after going to college, met my lovely bride and married into a fat cattle feedlot and row crop operation. So pretty much immersed in agriculture from uh, the cattle, the hog and the row crop side of things. The podcast has allowed me to learn about crops and other livestock outside of those. So it's been really fun to try and broaden my understanding of agriculture as a whole. Uh, But ultimately, uh, I think as listeners continue to gauge my personality and some of the news articles that I bring are going to have a financial twist to them, uh, because ultimately, as the profession of being a banker here in central Iowa, uh, it's definitely a pull and a slant to the way I view things. Tater, I got to ask, why do people always say my bride? I don't know. That's a great question. I, I guess it's just something that I've always uh, taking pride in the fact that uh, I actually found someone who'd like to spend the rest of their life with me. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know. We'll see if Blaine starts calling me his bride after we get married this summer. But uh, you mentioned there that with your banking background, you're going to be pulling things from a financial perspective, putting a financial twist on the articles you're bringing to the podcast. Tell us what news sources are you consuming day to day that might be different from our normal DTN, ag web, successful farming, et cetera. Yeah. So uh, through the banking world, there's a lot of associations that we're a part of. A lot of those associations help us understand the regulations that are ever changing on the industry. Um, So it'll be a lot of association news, which I would consider uh, maybe not mainstream, some behind the scenes type side of things. Uh, I have tapped into Reuters every once in a while, um, but it'll, it'll probably come a lot from those inner industry newsletters and publications that come out for announcements that that may trigger something for the banking industry to take caution towards, whether it's a, a financial category uh, related to um, loan quality or potential economic 
standards that are either going to deteriorate or climb up. Uh, and then obviously, as a, a lot of the listeners here care about their borrowing capacity, um, we'll focus on news that comes out of the Federal Reserve Office as to what interest rates are going to do. Well, Tanner, actually, I take that back. We're not going to completely put you on the hot seat because I'm curious with these recent rumors about, you know, that potentially the Fed hasn't increased rate hikes quick enough and that, that might be coming down the pipeline. What are we seeing as far as the financial viability of folks lending in rural America? So as lenders are meeting with their farm clients right now, there's a witness of the most working capital that we've seen in a long time. So working capital is liquidity or the amount of cash on hand. And that cash is either still in grain waiting to be converted or sitting in a checking account. So uh, overall, the leverage position right now in the ag sector is declining. But we all know that uh, if we did not get our inputs booked early on, they have climbed significantly. So that that working capital that is considered a surplus right now um, might deteriorate here rapidly as the costs have continued to go up. And that's that's more than just, you know, inputs as a blanket term, but seed went up a little bit, fertilizer climbed the most, and now we're seeing some big fuel hikes. So uh, in the ag sector, banks are, are ultimately pretty comfortable where we sit now. If, uh, if a lender is having a conversation that's difficult with a farmer in these times, um, it's probably not going to get any better for them, unfortunately. When you look at the rest of the sectors, um, it's kind of a, a toss-up. You know, what, what does the economic impact of Russia and Ukraine have on other industries, especially those companies that are looking to export or have to import materials to make their final product? So uh, it's fun to see the entertainment. I call it the entertainment sector, but your hotels, your restaurants, um, your experience industry getting back up after COVID. But now there's just uncertainty as to what sector is going to be hit the hardest now uh, due to this Russia and Ukraine debacle. Right. And that's something that we're continuing to keep close tabs on here on the podcast. So I'm excited to have you and your new perspective being able to help us kind of dissect that day to day here. But Tanner, let's talk get back to your background talking about that. You and your wife raised two little girls there. You guys are both still pretty actively involved with both of your family's respective farm operations. You're a banker. I'm sure you do some volunteer work. I just don't even know about. But why did you decide to start a podcast? What made you think, oh, I'm going to wake up today and start the Farm for Profit podcast? Yeah, ultimately, uh, it comes down to a personality that has always liked educating people. You know, prior to making a decision to go into the financial industry, um, one of the careers I was considering was being a teacher. So when you when you combine the uh, desire to learn, I mean, that's probably why uh, Ag News Daily is going to be a lot of fun for me. Is I'm always reading, I'm always trying to stay up on the latest trends and news, and it, the podcast for Farm for Profit just provided a platform. To where you know I could try to be a little bit entertaining, but ultimately deliver a message to help farmers achieve higher levels of profitability. So uh, it's probably just a desire to share something that I find interesting or possibly helpful uh, into a, a podcast. And thankfully, our listeners have enjoyed it, so we're going to keep doing it. And now your listeners will get to keep listening to you do it here on the Ag News Daily Podcast, Tanner, because we're certainly excited to have you join the team here. But I think kind of my final question for you before we wrap this thing up, I know it's a little bit shorter today, but we really just wanted to get people exposed to Tanner Winterhoff. Tanner, what makes you tick? What what things are you going to bring with you to the podcast? Do you have any weird quirks we should know about? I don't know. Everybody's got their own weird 
quirk and uh, it may not be weird to everybody, but, but ultimately what drives me is, is just wanting to contribute, whether that's uh, contributing to the in-laws on their farm and knowing that I had helped them get to the finish line for harvest or contributing to our family farm, making sure that we've completed tasks. The same thing is to a listener is what's going to make me tick is just knowing that uh, hopefully we delivered something in our message every day that either made you go, huh, I didn't know that, or wow, that was valuable. I need to dig into it a little bit more because, you know, Delaney, you and I both know we're not going to be able to dive all the way into the details of these headlines, but our goal is to share some news. And uh, if it's something that intrigues you, you go out and you dive deeper for yourself. It doesn't matter whether you're on the backfield or the front yard. On Mo Day, perfection is a game of inches. It's a battle of fence line and fierce terrain. Out there, on that grasshopper mower, you don't let anything stop your stripes. Nothing stands in the way of a job well done. For more on Mo Day and Grasshopper Mowers, visit grasshoppermower.com. Tanner, I don't know if you've ever taken the Enneagram test, but I'm going to guess that we're that you're a type three, which is what I am. I'd be curious to see what you are, but essentially uh, I'm going to guess you're a type three because you're the ones that you like to get out there. You like to make sure things are getting done. I feel largely the same way. So I think it's going to make hopefully a good podcast partnership. Yes, I'll have to take a look at that. That sounds uh, intriguing to see if we do match up, but I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's going to evolve. Uh, we're going to get to know each other a little bit better. And of course, uh, maybe develop a new personality, a little bit of a twist on Ag News Daily. Fantastic. Well, Tanner, before we let our listeners go for today, they know where to find us on social media, but where can they find you on social media? Yeah, all the platforms, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok are at Iowa Banker Man. So at Iowa Banker Man. And if you're looking for our podcast, it's Farm the Number Four Profit. So just start typing in Farm Four and you'll find that one as well. Fantastic, Tanner. Well, we certainly appreciate you letting us put you in the hot seat today. Certainly are so excited to have you as the new Ag News Daily co-host. And Tanner, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let the people go.